I want to invite you to get your Bibles out with me for week three of our series, The Struggle is Real. Now, I'm not going to ask for testimonies, but just nod your head if you could testify today, The Struggle is Real. Been there? Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm glad, I'm glad that, you know, we're not all in here wearing halos today. Uh, if you are, just put yours away and so the rest of us don't feel bad because we know the struggle is real. And what we've been doing the last several weeks is talking about the strategies of the enemy. Now, I want to assure you, my agenda today is not to exalt the devil or his plans and schemes, but I want to shine a light on his playbook of what he's doing to bring destruction in the lives of God's people. And more than that, my hope is that you would recognize from God's word that we have been given an incredible armament. We have been given resources for the battle so that we can win. Amen? Amen. So I want to show you some of the armor that God has given us in Ephesians chapter 6 as we get ready to talk about the struggle. Now, there's all kinds of struggles and and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't assume that I know exactly what you're going through, but, but some of you, you've had big struggles and some of you, you've just had some smaller struggles. Maybe this has been a struggle that you've, uh, faced in recent days. Look at this one up here. You know, when you've been at work for a few hours and then you check the time and it's only been 45 minutes. Anybody have that struggle this past week? Or maybe you're, you're trying to get in shape and, and this has been your struggle. You kind of want to run a mile, but you kind of want to eat 10 tacos. Any, anybody ever had that, that struggle before? Yeah, that's a tough one. Or, or if you're a parent with small children uh, and they've left Legos on the floor, you know what this struggle's about. You know, when you hit your pinky toe on the leg of a couch and all of a sudden everything in you wants to scream words you didn't know you knew, the struggle is real. Or, or how about this one, you know, when you realize summer's coming and your winter body has gotten out of control. <laughs> you know the struggle is real. <laughs> so I want to talk to you today about a different kind of struggle. I want to talk to you about the struggle that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians about. In fact, he wrote about it in several places in the Word of God. We have... A struggle that we are in. And we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read verse 12 as we jump right in to the struggle. It says in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil. In the heavenly realms. How many of you understand that we're in a struggle? It's a spiritual struggle that's taking place in and around our lives. Even today, in this moment, understand that there is a spiritual warfare that is taking place. There's something that God wants to do in your life today that the enemy is not going to sit idly by and watch happen. There's a struggle that's taking place. And so Paul says in verse 13, Therefore, because the struggle is real, therefore, when the day of... uh, Put on the full armor of God, he says, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything, to stand. God wants you to be able 
to stand your ground today. Many of you have spent a long, long time running and retreating from the enemy. Running and retreating from fulfilling the plan and purpose of God in your life because of the resistance or the opposition that's come against you. But God, today, hear me, He wants you to stand firm and having done all, to stand your ground. And then He gives us the armor. How do we do it? How do we stand against the struggle with the enemy? He says in verse 14, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We talked about that the first week of the series, that that belt of truth is really truthfulness. It's uprightness. It's integrity. A soldier who had a a belt on or a girdle would take all of the loose ends of his long flowing garments and he would tuck them in. And that's a picture for us of what it looks like for all the areas of our lives to have integrity. You know, truth be told, there are a lot of people who the belt of truth is a part of their Sunday dress clothes. But the question is, are you wearing the belt of truth on Monday? Is your life full of integrity? Because the scheme of the devil is to bring division. He wants you to have a divided heart. So God says, you got to put on the belt of truth. That, that you're a person of integrity and, and uprightness. The very first command that, that God gave Moses in the Ten Commandments was to not have any other gods before me. What he was saying in a positive sense is you ought to have a a heart of integrity. You ought to have a heart that is upright. Put on the belt of truth. Have no other gods before me. So Paul goes on to say, not only do we have the belt of truth around our waist, but we have the breastplate of righteousness in place. And we talked about that breastplate not being your righteousness or my righteousness. In fact, Isaiah said your righteousness and my righteousness is like filthy rags. Doesn't amount to much. But it's the righteousness that has been imputed to us by Jesus at the cross. It's what we celebrated at the table of the Lord. As we drank the juice and ate the bread, we were recognizing again that we have been given His righteousness. The Bible says to us that... that He who had no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Satan wants to destroy your identity in Christ. But we put on the breastplate. It guards our inner man. It guards our heart. And it reminds us that we've been given his righteousness. And then he goes on to say in verse 15, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The way we stand is so important for the battle. The enemy comes in and surprises us oftentimes and and, and rocks our faith. But when our feet are fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, we have the stability to know God's word is true in our life. And whatever storms may rage and however the enemy, enemy may come against us, the reality is we have a good stance. We're grounded in the truth of God's word. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. And when we stand in the truth of the gospel and the blessed hope that we have as the people of God, the enemy can't rock us from our stance on that firm foundation. Then we went on a little farther and it says, in addition to all of this, verse 16, and here's where we're going to pick up today. In addition to all of this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows 
of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want to talk to you today about some more of the schemes that the devil is bringing against the church. And one of those is a scheme of doubt. Satan is working overtime to bring doubt into the hearts and into the minds of God's people. Now, as a kid, uh, I played a lot of sports, but one of my passions was wrestling. I I think I started wrestling when I was like two years old at the YMCA. They're the only people that would let me on the mat. And and I wrestled all through school. And, And I can remember so vividly, so many times, where my dad would stand with me on the sideline, and he would, he'd give me that pep talk. You know, he'd, he'd build up my confidence. And, and he knew, he, he knew me well enough to know that if I ever, like, got to eyeing up my opponent and, and started thinking, like, oh, they look good, or man, this guy, he might be tough. My dad would, he'd pull me aside and he would start uh, pumping me up. He would remind me that you've been wrestling longer than any of these guys. And they weigh the same as you. He's not bigger than you. He doesn't know more than you. You got this. You can beat this guy. And, and he would he would try to get me mentally prepared because he knew, and every coach that's ever coached anyone knows that the first battle you have to win is the mental battle. It's the psychological warfare. Have you ever seen like the weigh-ins for a boxing match or maybe a UFC or something? And you see those guys, they stand toe-to-toe. And it, I mean, the match isn't until tomorrow, but they stare each other down until the point that they're pushing their noses against each other. They're just waiting for somebody to blink, waiting for somebody to back down. Why? Because they want you to believe that you can't beat them. And they're intimidating their opponent. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do to us. He wants to bring doubt into our hearts. He wants to intimidate us. And one of the ways that he does it is by trying to get us to replace our faith with fear. He wants you to replace your faith with fear. Because when fear takes over, all of a sudden faith in God's ability to take care of you wanes away. The, the, you could be so confident in, in who God is and what God says, but then when all of a sudden you're gripped with fear about something, your faith begins to disappear. It, it reminds me of the story in Mark chapter 4. Jesus was with the disciples and they were in a boat. Jesus had been teaching all day. In Mark 4, he had been teaching parables to the crowds. And then he told the disciples, let's go in the boat to the other side. You remember this story? So Jesus, he's exhausted from a long day of ministry. He gets in the boat. He goes up to the hull of the ship and he falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, the Bible says a a squall came up. All of a sudden, a storm out of nowhere arose. And it was so intense and so uh, severe that these professional fishermen feared for their lives. And the Bible says in that moment that they woke up Jesus. And one of them said to Jesus, they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown Don't you care if we drown? Now think about this. Jesus is in the boat. He's taking a nap. I mean, he couldn't be doing anything that would communicate more clearly that he's not concerned about drowning. And yet fear has so overwhelmed them that they're not even thinking rationally anymore. Jesus, don't you care that we drown? As if that's the way the story's going to end. You know, God sent his son to the earth to be the savior of the world, but at 32 and a half years old, he drowned sleeping. 
Don't you care that we drown? But Jesus gets up and he stands up on the edge of the the boat and he says, peace be still and and the wind and the waves calm down. But listen to what Jesus said to them in verse 40 of Mark 5. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Because when fear comes in, faith exits the room. It exits our heart. And for some of us, it doesn't even have to be a big storm. This is where you live. I mean, it can just be a thought. You know, it could be a, a siren that you hear uh, as an ambulance drives by. Or, or it can just, you know, all of a sudden some concern for your kids or, or for something that's going on. And fear, it just jumps in and it grabs a hold and it seizes your heart. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you're struggling with, with anxiety and, and you're stressed out and, and you're worried. Listen, if that's your reality today, hear me, that is not God's plan for you. That it's not, God has given you a resource I'm about to tell you about that you can conquer that fear, that doubt that Satan wants to, to take over your life. God has not given us, Second uh, Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But the spirit that he gave is a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what God wants you to have today. If you've got the spirit of Christ on the inside of you, he doesn't want you to be afraid. It's bad for your spirit, man, and it's bad for your physical body. We allow the enemy to do damage to us. You know, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want you stressed out or anxious or full of ulcers. God wants you to have peace. But the enemy, he comes with schemes to attack us and to to bring fear. I love the prayer in Psalm 56, verse 3. The psalmist said this, When I am afraid, I put my trust in. In you. Some of you ought to find that verse and just highlight it in your Bible. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Because for a lot of us, that's not the default reaction. When I am afraid, I panic. When I am afraid, I, I call somebody. When I am afraid, I, I, I close up and I stop moving forward. The reality is when you're afraid, the enemy begins to traffic into our lives. So God has given us some weapons One of the ways that Satan wants to bring doubt is not only by exchanging your faith for fears, but he wants to replace clarity with confusion. Things that, that you know that you know. He wants to confuse you on things that you had clarity. Maybe you grew up in the church. Maybe you believed the scriptures for all of your life. But all of a sudden, one day, you just, you don't know if you believe that anymore. You can start to question God's word. You can start to question yourself. And and sometimes the enemy works in this way, that we begin to have confusion and question and doubt about the other people of God. So instead of God using them to encourage you and to bless you, all of a sudden you become the skeptic in the room. And everybody that God wants to use, you wonder, I don't know if God could really use that person. Uh, Who are they? I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see them up there talking, but I don't know if that person's really being used of God. And the enemy wants to, wants to make us so skeptical of what God is saying and, and what God is doing that, that we can miss out on the blessing that God has for us. When these fiery darts of doubt come in suddenly and quickly into your life, it opens 
an avenue for Satan to steal away our faith, to steal away our clarity. And by doing that, we lose momentum. We lose ground in the spirit. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. But he is the God of peace. He's the God of peace. And so oftentimes, listen, God's asked me to do some things that that could have caused plenty of doubt. God's asked me to do some things in my life that didn't even make sense in the natural. And maybe you've had those experiences where you really felt God wanted you to do something, but when you tried to add up the numbers, the math didn't work. Or, Or when you tried to apply logic, it just didn't make sense to you. And yet I've done some things in obedience to the will of the Lord, not because they made sense, but because I felt the evidence of His peace. His peace was there. I can remember when when my wife and I sold our house in Texas and and resigned from our position at the church that we had been at for 10 years and in all of this, sensing the Lord's leading us and yet not knowing where we were going. Now in the natural, that didn't make sense and I had plenty of people that spoke naturally to me about it in that season. I said, look, let me help you. Don't do this. And yet we could not deny the peace of the presence of God. We didn't feel confused about it, even though we didn't have all the answers. We didn't feel confused about it. God is not the author of confusion. He's the God of peace. But Satan wants to bring confusion where there was clarity from God in our hearts and in our lives. And when he tries to do that, we have a weapon that God has given us right here in Ephesians chapter 6. It's called the shield of faith. And I want to challenge you to pick it up today. I want to challenge you to take up the shield of faith. Look at the verse with me. It's verse 16 in Ephesians 6. It says, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Now, can I tell you something about the first part of that verse? That phrase, in addition to, it could also be translated as above all. And I think that's a good translation. Above all, take up the shield of faith. And I think that translation works because the reality is if you don't have the shield of faith, none of the other armor functions correctly. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you read that before? We have to have faith. The shield of faith is out in front. We have to have faith in God. It says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now look at the potential that we have if we take up the shield of faith. We can extinguish all The flaming arrows of the evil one. Isn't it good this morning to know that Satan doesn't have an arrow. He doesn't have a weapon. He doesn't have a strategy that can overcome the shield of faith. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? It says we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. First John says that everyone who's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. We're victorious today when we hold up the shield of faith against every scheme of the enemy. Let me tell you about this shield a little bit, because I don't know what you're picturing in your mind right now. But this is not some some little, you know, round shield. The shield that Paul had in his mind when he was writing this looked like the shield of a Roman soldier. This shield 
looked more like a door than a shield. It was about two feet wide and four feet high. The shield of a Roman soldier, he could literally crouch crouch down behind it and be completely hidden from the attack of the enemy. The shield of a Roman soldier was, was wrapped in cloth and in leather. And often what the soldiers would do is they would dip it in water before they went to battle. So that if they put up that shield and the fiery darts of the enemy stuck into it, the flame would be extinguished and it wouldn't spread. God has given us an incredible shield of faith to protect us. And I want to I want to tell you three ways quickly that you can raise up the shield of faith. The first one is this. You can have faith in God's person. What I mean by that is you put faith in who God is in what in, in who God is. A couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned the story of Abraham and Lot and how Lot uh, had gotten wrapped up in Sodom and Abraham had to go down and he had to rescue his nephew Lot. And he did that. He fought that battle and he came back. And in Genesis chapter 15, God speaks to Abram after that episode. And here's what he says to him. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. That means I'm your protection. I am your shield. Can I just tell you, one of the coolest things about the armor of God is that it's the armor of God. We don't forget that part. This is not some self-help thing I'm offering you. This is God's armor. You know it's good stuff. This is the armor of God. God said, Abram, I am your shield. And then he said this. He said, your very great reward. In other words, God's saying, I'm your protection and I'm your provision. That's who I am. I'm, I'm a good father. I'm for you. I'm not against you. He is a good father. And you can take faith in the person of who God is when the enemy wants to come against you. You can be reminded of who God is, that he loves you, that he, that he paid the highest price of his own son's blood to redeem you. You know his nature, you know his character, and you can fall back on the person of God. Let me tell you another way you can lift up the, the shield of faith. It's by having faith in the promises of God. You know, this book that we hold today is full of God's precious promises for you and I. Listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so in Him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. That was a great spot to say amen. See, some of y'all thought that that's just something preachers need you to do to encourage them. It's actually biblical. Because Jesus is the yes. So we're the amen. Amen. That means so be it. If Jesus says yes, I say amen to whatever Jesus is saying. And the Bible says Jesus is saying yes to every promise that God has spoken. Every promise that he has for your life. You can lift up a shield of faith in the promises of God. That's why it's so important that you that you get into the Word of God daily. We began this year talking about how important it is to, to seek counsel from the wisdom of the ages, that God speaks to your heart. Why? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so as we meditate on the Word of God, we remind ourselves of His promises. Don't let Satan 
cause you to question your convictions or doubt the promises of God in your life. Go back to those promises. Here's what I've discovered in my life. Maybe you've noticed this. The things that you feed grow. The things that you feed grow. You need to start feeding your faith. Start starving your doubts. Maybe I should say it this way. You need to start doubting your doubts and believing your beliefs. Stop doubting. And how do we do it when doubt comes in? We raise up the shield of faith in the person of who God is and in the promises that God has spoken. But the third way is this. We take up the shield of faith in God's providence. The providence of God. You say, what is that? The providence of God, taking that shield of faith, is, is a Romans 8.28 mentality. You remember that verse? It says in Romans 8.28, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. That's confidence in the providence of God. That I understand that even at the worst moment, in the darkest season, in the lowest valley, I know that God is working. I know in all things He works. He's working for my good. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He hasn't taken a day off. He's for me. He's not against me. And I can have faith in the promises of God. And I can have faith in the providence of God. Faith in His providence is the kind of faith that Joseph had at the end of his life. You remember his story? His brothers had sold him into slavery when he was just 17 years old. Then they faked his death and lied to his father about it. Uh, Joseph spent years in prison. He was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit. Finally, at the end of his story, he has the opportunity to get revenge on his brothers who had done him so wrongly. But faith, the shield of faith in the providence of God, caused him to say these words in Genesis 50 in verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's the kind of faith that will extinguish the flames of the enemy. When Satan comes against you launching doubt, launching confusion, launching fear against your life. That kind of faith says, I'm not, I'm not going to succumb to my emotions in this moment. I know that God is for me and not against me. I know that in all things, God works for the good. And I know that even the darkest circumstances of my life, God can turn it around to bring a story of redemption and grace. Amen? That's a shield that God has given us. I want to tell you that the shield of faith is powerful and it protects us, but it does more than that. The shield of faith also unites the soldiers. See, one of the interesting things about a Roman soldier's shield is that it was beveled on the edges in such a way that soldiers could come next to each other and, and they could link up their shields and they could form a wall of defense that the enemy could not, uh, could not penetrate. So as we come together with the shield of faith, it's not just my faith alone. The shield of faith unites us together to where now we're locked arm in arm. You know what that means? That means that we are better together at spiritual warfare. That means we fight better in the struggle when we do it together. 
That's why the enemy loves to to come against us and to isolate us. He wants you to sit through this whole service today and keep everything bottled inside. And the last thing that he would love for you to do is to be so vulnerable as to let somebody else pray with you. The last thing on the earth that he would want you to do is to be so transparent as to share a need with a brother or sister. Because he knows in that moment, as weak as your faith may be, when you begin to link up with the body of Christ, all of a sudden there is a wall of defense that he can't get through. I'm going to tell you, God has given us an incredible resource in this shield of faith. You don't stand alone today. That's the encouragement that Peter gave to the church. You know, when we talk about the devil and his schemes, a lot of times we look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And I want to read it now. This is what it says about him. He says, be alert and be sober minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. We know that about him. But listen to the encouragement that he writes about in the next verse. He says, resist him. I mean, it's biblical to resist the devil. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Because, now here's the motivation that he says we have. Why, why would I be motivated to stand firm in the faith and resist the devil? Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Doesn't that sound so opposite of the schemes of the devil? To tell you you're the only one? That nobody else can relate? Nobody knows what you're going through. You're the only one struggling. You're the only one that's dealing with this. You're the only one that that has a hard time this morning lifting your voice or lifting your hands or, or being joyful or singing about victory. You're all by yourself in this. And Peter says to the church, he says, listen, that devil is slick. So we need to be sober minded. We need to have good judgment. And we need to resist him. And you ought to stand firm in the faith because the reality is you're not standing alone. That there is a body of believers all over the world who's in the same struggle you're in. They're fighting the same enemy that you're fighting. The same lies of doubt. The same fear. The same confusion. He's using those same tactics against all of us. But you know what? If we'll come together, if we'll unite our hearts, God will strengthen us in the battle. He'll strengthen us in the battle. You know, today I wanted to preach about this helmet of salvation. I could keep you here another 30 minutes real quick. But I'm not going to do it. Honestly, I, this was supposed to be a, a one-week sermon. Next week will be the fourth week in the series. For those of you that are keeping tabs. But you know, the more I look at God's Word, the more I realize how capable He has made us. You're capable today to fight the good fight of faith. You're capable to wage a good warfare. And oftentimes as the people of God, we live far beneath our means. We live far below the standards that God has given us. And I want to just encourage you today. Maybe you're here and and you're doubting. Maybe that's been you. Maybe you're doubting God's, God's word. You don't have that childlike faith. It's like, a skeptical mind has just kind of crept in. And, and e- e- you look at everything with a sideways glance. You, you don't trust 
You don't have the faith to believe. I mean, as soon as God begins to move in a service or do something right away, your first thought is, is doubt. Maybe, maybe for you, it's doubt deep in your own heart. The enemy has stopped you from making forward progress. You're not advancing anymore because you doubt your ability. You doubt your experience with God or you're doubting what God has said to you. Maybe you're here and you're doubting the body of Christ. You're doubting the people of God. There may be somebody that's even watching this message on Facebook. And the reason you're watching online and not here is because you're skeptical about those church people. I doubt if it's real. I work with some of those folks. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if, if all that is is really real. I want you to see today the schemes of the evil one. He is firing darts at you. He wants fear. He wants confusion to take root in your heart. Because he knows that if you operate in a realm of faith, if you take up the shield of faith, you can conquer the enemy. I want to pray for you today. And something we've done through this series is at the end of the message, we, I want to give you a verse of scripture that you can pray. Now you can pray your own prayer. You can pray your own words. But I, I believe there is power in the word of God. And so I want to give you a verse of scripture that we're going to pray today. It's in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And I want to ask you, we'll put it on the screen. We're going to pray this out loud together. I want to ask you all over this room if you'd stand with me right here as we prepare to close this message and respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. Romans chapter 5 in verse 1 is a shield of faith. Let's read this out loud together. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now we're going to say it again, but we're going to make it personal. We're going to say, since I have been justified, I have peace with God. Come on, let's say it together. Therefore, since I have been justified through faith, I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed right now all over this room. You're here today and maybe you've struggled with doubt. Doubt in who God is. Doubt in what he has said. Doubt in yourself. Doubt in the church. As we have pulled back by the Holy Spirit. The curtain. On Satan's schemes. And shown them for what they really are. I want to challenge you right now. To respond. By faith. By picking up the shield. Of faith. I'm not talking about, when I say faith today, I'm not talking about a a religious belief system. To say we're faith people or, or people of faith. I'm not even talking about the moment of salvation where you put your faith in Jesus. Though that's, that's an incredibly important moment. Talking about a willful obedience to the Lord. 
Say, I'm going to activate faith today. I'm not just going to say something. I'm not just going to think something. I'm going to begin to operate by faith. Faith in the person of God. Because He's good. Because He's for me. He's fighting for me. I'm going to operate by faith in the promises of God. That I can have those things that I ask for when I ask by faith believing. And today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take up the shield of faith in the providence of God. And I'm going to recognize that regardless of what things look like from my vantage point, regardless of what my emotions may be telling me, or circumstances may be telling me, I believe by faith that God is in control. That He is Lord of my life. And that his word is true. Let me give you one of those promises right now. God said in his word. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. They're plans to give you a hope. And a future. So God, today we pick up the shield of faith. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart today, we want to open these altars at the conclusion of this service. And I want to give you an opportunity to just take a physical step of obedience. The Bible says faith without works is dead faith. Now listen, God's not going to move in your heart Because you come to an altar, he's looking at your heart, not your feet. But as a way of just applying this to your life today, I want to challenge you to step out from where you are. If God is dealing with you today, you've been paralyzed by fear, or you've been immobilized by a lack of clarity, by confusion about the will of God or the things you should do, I want to challenge you today to step out in faith And come to this altar and call out to God with us for a few moments. And if you're here today and you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with Him through His Son Jesus, you can be saved today. Your life can be changed today. God is so good that even the faith that we possess, the Bible says, is a gift from Him. You don't have to say, I don't have faith. God loves you enough that He gave you enough faith that you can trust Him for salvation. So if that's you today, I want to invite you to come and to let us pray for you. There there are men and women that are coming to this altar right now. And I want to invite you, we're not going to belabor this right now while we're standing, to just come and let us pray for you. Take a moment to say, you know what, I'm going to link up my faith with somebody else's. I'm going to interlock my shield with your shield. I'm tired of the devil's fiery darts penetrating my heart and life. And today, we're coming together. We're coming together to take back a spiritual victory. Father, I thank you right now for the way you're moving on our hearts and on our lives. God, I thank you that your word says we can grow from one dimension of faith to another. 
God, today you're just looking for a small, a small mustard seed of faith. Just that, that willingness to, to trust you again. God, with whatever it may, may be, big or small, God, help us today to see that you are here responding to faith. You're responding to our heart's cry. How desperately we need you, God. As we sang earlier in this service, God, let it be true in this moment. I surrender all. God, I surrender all. All that I am, all that I have. Lord, I surrender not only all that I have, but God, I surrender my my ideas, my intellect, my will. God, I trust in you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit at work right now in this place. Come on, if you're you're just still standing here in this atmosphere of worship, let's just take a few moments right now to just thank God. Thank God for giving us this shield of faith. Thank you, Lord God, that today, today, the, the fiery darts that have been lodged in our hearts Lord God they're being extinguished right now Lord we claim your word extinguish every fiery dart of the evil one right now as we reach towards you by faith as we trust in you God thank you that you are breaking off the power of addiction right now God you're breaking off the bondage of fear right now In Jesus' name, extinguish the fiery darts of confusion right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for your word that declares to us, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. God, right now, We trust in you. We bless your name. We declare your faithfulness. We declare your faithfulness today. You're faithful, Lord. Your mercies are new each day. Thank you, God. You've never, you've never been unfaithful.